So I'm glad Jason isn't here, because I know he had already made a joke about me being too short for the podium. So I'm just going to say it for him, I'm short. Okay? Let's just get that out there. If you have any questions, I can see over the podium. All right, if you have the word with you, open up to Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. If you haven't been here the past four or five weeks, we've been walking through the book of Romans, and we're going to be tracking through it for probably the next year or two. Um, and we're, we're, we're not moving super fast through it. We're taking our time. We're just diving into the scripture and reading in context. Um, but the last message was verses 11 through 15. And we saw Paul's heart for the church in Rome as well for the unbelievers in Rome. So for the church and for the unbelievers. And as we looked at Paul's heart, we see that Paul was eager to strengthen and be strengthened by the church. You see, there's a mutual relationship that he was desiring to have. He saw the importance of the relationships that we can have as believers. There's no one too high, no one too mature, no one too lofty that cannot be strengthened. We all need strengthening. Paul was eager also to see the gospel received by unbelievers. He says, I have to. I'm obligated to share the gospel. We also see Paul was eager to proclaim the gospel to believers. This means we need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily, and we need each other to preach the gospel to us daily. It's necessary. That's why we take the Lord's Supper, to remember. That's why we come and gather, to remember the good news of Jesus. It keeps us focused. It keeps us on track. It keeps us, it keeps us going in the direction that God has us, where we won't focus on the things of the world, but the things that we're here for. And so I hope Paul's heart encouraged you And I hope that we are eager as Paul for these things. Now, throughout Paul's whole introduction, which is verses 1 through 17, we see a man who is very passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Very passionate. Really, he was a man that was consumed by the gospel like a fire. So much that he gave his life to share this good news about Jesus. He gave his life. We don't know what that means, but he gave his life to share this gospel. We see just in his introduction of the letter how much he is about the gospel. Verse 1, he is set apart for the gospel. Verse 9, he serves God in his spirit by proclaiming the gospel. Verse 14, he's obligated to proclaim it to all. Verse 15, he is eager to preach it to the church. And now we see Paul is about to finish this introduction with the theme of his letter. And this theme is about none other than the gospel of Jesus. 
So let's read Romans 1, 16 through 17. Paul wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith, from faith, from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would teach us by your spirit and through your word what this glorious gospel is. Just remind us, for those who do not have faith in this gospel, that you would open their eyes. But God, we ask as we read this letter that this theme would be bold and that our lives would be about Jesus and his good news that he brought. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, verse 16, Paul's theme starts with Paul boldly proclaiming how unashamed he is of the gospel. He's unashamed. So I have to ask a question. Are you or have you ever been ashamed of the good news of Jesus? Paul is proud of the gospel. He has no shame in it at all. And we see that throughout his ministry. So much that he was put in prison for sharing the gospel. And when he went to prison for it, what did he do? He shared the gospel with the guards of the prison he was in. He was willing to be beat, shamed, and even put to death for Jesus and the message about him. Here in America, that's not reality. It's not. The most shame we may experience is someone saying no to the message or someone trying to make you feel like you're a little crazy for believing something like that. Other than that, most of the time, most of the time, I'm not saying sometimes, but most of the time, there's nothing dangerous that happens when we share the gospel. Our lives aren't threatened, and we don't get put in prison for it. But here's the reality about this message of Jesus. It's foolishness. It's foolishness to those who do not believe. It's also shame for those who do not believe the message that is preached to them. See, the message of Jesus is a message of the cross. It says we are so unrighteous and wicked so much that Jesus, the Son of God, God himself, had to die for us. This means that You're not good enough. 
It means that you're in need of salvation from your unrighteousness. God has a requirement, and it is righteousness. And not your standard or my standard of righteousness, but His standard of righteousness. So even when we think that we're being righteous, without Jesus we are lost. We have no righteousness apart from Jesus. Even our best efforts are like filthy rags. But thank God for Jesus. Also, you must give up your life, your whole life, and follow after Jesus. You actually have to live for Him and His purposes. Which means your life will not necessarily be a life of comfort and ease, but one of complete devotion to following Jesus. You see, this can be foolish. It can be demeaning, belittling for those who want their lives for themselves and the fading comforts of life. But Paul says, even though this message may be a message of shame and foolishness to those who have not experienced his saving power, he says he will not be ashamed of it. He will be proud of it. And he will proclaim it to all because it is for all. So I go back to my original question that I asked. And I really want you to think about this question. I don't want you to just hear it and let it go through one ear and out the other. I really want you to examine your life. Are you or have you ever been ashamed of the good news of Jesus? Oh, this hit home with me. This is something I am examining in my own life. So examine. So if this is true, if you say yes to that question... Why? Why were you ashamed? Why would I be ashamed? Is it fear of being shamed by the, by the people saying something about you? Is it fear of losing some sort of status you think you have with people? Is there any greatest, greater status than being the son or daughter of God? Is it fear of being told no or that you're just a little crazy? Is it the fear of losing your comfort because you're making somebody else feel uncomfortable, which makes you in turn maybe feel a little uncomfortable? Is it fear of not knowing what to say when someone asks you a question that you may not have an answer to? Jesus says in Luke 9.26, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words... The Son of Man will be ashamed of them when He comes in His glory of the Father and the holy angels. His words should cause us to reflect and ask whether or not we are ashamed of Him and His words. Because He will come back. And you don't want to be there. You don't want to be there where He says, The Son of Man will be ashamed of you in all his glory and all the holy angels. 
You see, we should be proud of this glorious gospel for a very good reason. If we've experienced the goodness of this gospel, then we know its power, don't we? We know its power and should proclaim it. We know who we were. We know what we was. We know how he's going to move. You know how he has moved in your life. So you know its power. 1 Corinthians 1.18 Paul wrote, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For us who are being saved, the gospel is the power. It is the power of God. And this is the very thing Paul is saying here. He's not ashamed. He says, because I understand the nature of the gospel. I understand it. The gospel is the power of God. Let that sink in. Let that become very true in your heart. Believe it. See, the gospel is not something that brings upon power or has power, but is power. And what does this power do? It brings salvation for those who believe. You see, if we understand and believe this very truth about the gospel, we can sit here and say like Paul, I am not ashamed of it. If you have fear and shame when sharing the gospel, then try and remember that truth. It is the power of God that brings salvation. It's not a lifeless message. But when it is spoken clearly and in truth, the power of God is being proclaimed out of your mouth. It is spoken word, the power of God. Your lips have great opportunity for good. And it has great opportunity for bad. Let us be people who proclaim the gospel, the power of God, with our mouths. So that takes a lot of pressure off of us, right? Trying to say it in a certain way, or just at the right time when someone needs to hear it, or when we think people are ready. The power is right there. And God has gone before us in preparing the fields for harvest. It's plentiful. Just speak it. Just proclaim it. So our confidence is not in ourselves, but in the work of God and His powerful message regarding His Son. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? 
This is a powerful message. Not lifeless. So how was this salvation received? We see in verse 16, very clearly Paul says, through belief. Through belief. Our response must be faith in Jesus for salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, most of us know it. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not by works. Not by works. So that no one can boast. So at any time you're thinking, oh, this is, this is, I gotta do this, this is a work, this is something that brings righteousness to me, I'm earning it. Just take a step back and remember this is the grace of God. This is his message, and it is given to us by sacrifice. Without Jesus, we wouldn't have anything to believe in. This is the grace of God. So faith is the very connection to the power of the gospel. Now Paul, he uses the phrase first to the Jew then to the Gentile. He uses this phrase throughout the book of Romans. So this gives us two things to think about. One, historically, we read God worked through his people, Israel, first. They were first before the Gentiles. But two, and most importantly, he is saying the gospel is for all. It's broke some serious boundaries here. He's including the Gentiles in this. He is called to the Gentiles. He says it right here in the beginning of his letter. He says, I'm called to the Gentiles to proclaim the gospel. So this means the gospel is for all who will believe. There's that string that's attached there. It's for all, but for those who believe. And this is a really big deal for the Jews. Like for us, we've probably heard this multiple times, but this is fresh. This is new to them. This idea of Gentiles being included into this beautiful salvation that God has for them and working through the Gentiles, this is something new. And Paul speaks of this in some degree throughout his whole letter. And he's going to tell them, the gospel is for everyone and anyone who will believe. There is none righteous. We are all on level ground. There is no one that is not in need of Jesus. So we go to verse 17, and Paul continues... He says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. He continues with the nature of the gospel, in which he's not ashamed. He says, the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. So first it's the power of God, now it's the righteousness of God revealed. But what does Paul mean when he says the righteousness of God? I believe in light of the rest of the letter, it means the gift of righteousness received from God through faith and trust in Jesus. 
If you read the whole letter of Romans, he's going to track this out of what it means that the righteousness of God is revealed. It's revealed as a gift to us. This glorious truth that we can be justified, not guilty, but righteous before the throne of God. That's what Paul's meaning here. This is the very nature and the message of this gospel. Listen to this. I love what Tim Keller says about this. He says, It is important to realize how much more is promised here than mere forgiveness. Many people think Jesus died merely to forgive us. Our sins were laid on him And we are pardoned when we believe in Him. That is true. But that is only half of Christian salvation. If we were all, if if that were all Jesus did, we would then only receive a new wiped clean slate. It would be up to us to add credit or merit to our account. But here, Paul tells us that we have been given righteousness rather than merely declared not guilty. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that the message of the gospel? We can be justified if we believe, if we have faith, if we trust in Jesus for salvation. See, the revelation of this gift of righteousness given to us makes us proud of the very message that reveals it. It's, it gives us even more reason not to be ashamed of Jesus and the good news he brings. And notice that Paul also says that this righteousness is revealed. See that word revealed? It's meaning it is revelation from God. God revealing it means we didn't come up with it. We didn't find it. We didn't stumble upon the truth. But God graciously showed it to us through Jesus and his word. And then again we see in verse 17 on that this righteousness is received by faith. From first to last. Or another translation, from faith to faith. This simply means that salvation is by faith from beginning to end. Start to finish. Real faith is a life of obedience. See, this is clear in verse 5 in, in his introduction. It says, through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his namesake. Do you see the, the phrase and the terminology there? Paul says that he, he is grace to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. Real faith results in obedience. James in his letter, if you read the letter of James, James in his letter, 
says the very same thing very clearly. He then quotes Habakkuk in the Old Testament. He says the righteous will live by faith. This shows that Scripture is consistent all the way across the board. It's a consistent truth in Scripture that the righteous will live by faith. This very basic truth is throughout all of Scripture. It is by faith you were justified and made right before God. He's going to use Abraham as an example. He's used many people as an example of the Old Testament in the New Testament in his letters. These people were saved by faith. And that's what he's saying here. So for those who do not have faith this morning, all you must do is believe. Trust the work of Jesus in him giving you righteousness. You can't earn it for yourself. But you need his salvation. I pray this morning that you are experiencing the power of the gospel. So completely trust. Seek forgiveness. Turn from your sin and unrighteousness. Follow after Jesus. May this gospel be powerful. May this message open your eyes. May the Spirit do a work in you. That's what I pray this morning. For those of us who have faith, which is majority of us in here, Let's examine ourselves. Let's examine ourselves before the Lord. To think about examining ourselves before the Lord. The Lord knows us. He knows everything about us. He knows what we're going to say before we say it. He knows the thoughts before we think it. He knows when we will sit before we sit. He knows when we will rise before we rise. He is our creator. There's no one who knows us more than him. There's nothing hidden. So when we examine ourselves before the Lord, we ask him, Lord, show us. Reveal in us any unrighteousness. Reveal in us any selfish, prideful ways. Reveal in us things that aren't of you and our motives. The hardest thing to see the truth in. Reveal that in us as well. Our true motives towards things. So examine yourself before the Lord. And ask, am I ashamed of you? Am I ashamed of you? It may be by the way you live, by the way you hold on to money, by the way you hold on to things by the way you feel when you want to share the gospel, by the way you feel when someone says something about the gospel, don't be ashamed. 
this great news is the power of God. It's the righteousness of God revealed. It is the glorious message that Jesus has provided for us, salvation. 2 Corinthians 5.21, I think it says it so well about this exchange of righteousness and unrighteousness. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What a glorious gift. What a glorious gift we have in Jesus, and what great reason we have to be proud, unashamed of the gospel, to proclaim it with our mouths, the power of God. What a great, gracious opportunity. Paul says it even himself. He says, I was appointed an apostle by grace. You have been given grace to even proclaim it with your mouth. So let's ask God for boldness. We see the New Testament church, they ask for it. Lord, give us boldness. And what happened? He gave them boldness. He's a faithful God. So, Lord, give us boldness to proclaim the gospel. That he will replace our shame with boldness. That we would be a people who talk about him, unashamed, proud. So let's be faithful to Jesus in this. Let's be obedient. It's a call to obedience. That's what this word does. It calls us to obedience. For those who don't have faith, it calls us to faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your servant, Paul, and his heart. For Jesus and the message he brought. What a great privilege, what a grace we have to share the gospel to one another and to those who have never heard, to those who do not know and their eyes have not been opened. Father, we ask that you would move and work and open the eyes of those who do not know or even those who think they know that have tricked themselves into this idea that they're saved by self by self-righteousness. But God, I pray that you would open their eyes this morning. Be gracious to them and let them see the glory of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, give us boldness. Replace our shame with your boldness to proclaim the good news about your son Jesus. And may we be people who always have on our lips the power of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, as we take the Lord's Supper and we remember, we remember the sacrifice. Father, fill our hearts with thanksgiving. Father, as we remember that we will eat this meal with you one day, that we will
will sit face to face with Jesus and we will share in the meal. Fill our hearts with gladness and joy. Father, before we take the Lord's Supper, that you would reveal in us as we examine our hearts and our lives any unrighteous way, any wicked way in us, and that you would lead us into righteousness for your name's sake. We ask these things in Jesus' name.